Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. I'm Sam. I am. Welcome to the Lifeboats live stream. Okay, last week I started getting pelted with messages. Sam, have you seen this? Sam, you got to watch this. Sam, what do you think about this? Sam, what does this mean? And of course, these are all about uh, Stu Peters' sort of documentary, Watch the Water, uh, that talked about the possibility of snake venom uh, actually being put in the water supply and actually being the thing causing the disease in SARS-CoV-2. Now, it's got some problems, right? We're going to go through some of that tonight. Um, uh, let me just say, I, like I watched it through the first time, just kind of turning filters off and just enjoy the, the show, right? And see what I thought about it. Very entertaining, very good. Some very uh, intriguing things I think were presented and uh, dots connected here and there, some better than others. But um, the second time I watched it through, I sort of looked at it a little more critically. Okay, now it's time to pick it apart, right? And so that's what I want to do tonight. I want to really just start right there. And we're just going to sort of step through. I've picked out a 10 or 12 clips here. We're going to go through and talk about some of the points made, some of the problems with them. And then the third thing I did is over the week as various people, some of the scientists and Jinky the mouse and Clucky the chicken and, you know, all these others that are uh, very knowledgeable on SARS-CoV-2, I wanted to see what they had to say about it. And so we're going to look at some of that after we go through these clips, but let's jump in here. If you were here. At the beginning, you might remember the explicit promise that we made to you then. We told you that it was our goal to put ourselves out of work, to work ourselves off the air. We promised to never sell out to big pharma or globalist corporate sponsors or anybody else. And we've kept that promise. We promised to never stop fighting, to keep exposing everything until there's literally nothing left to expose. He's going to expose it all, ladies and gentlemen. Leave no stone unturned. Now, I like Stu. My criticism has been that um, he will put people on without doing his due diligence, right? Without really, like, verifying some things, looking into some things. Some of them, some of his guests have just been really, really bad about not having their ducks in a row, their sources cited, and so forth, and... It's really just kind of like, well, my friend's brother's cousin told me so that sort of thing. Now, I kind of see what they did, right? Like he's, he's Christian. He's very much, um, we're fighting demonic forces. He kind of aligns himself with Alex Jones. In fact, I've seen him make some sort of ego driven comments about how, watch out, Alex, I'm coming for you kind of thing. Like he's going to be number one. And I think that pushes him to sort of take some shortcuts. And I think there were too many shortcuts taken with what they did here. They really should have put this in front of some people as a preview to get feedback on it. And I don't think it probably would have been released had they done that. Um, so that said, let's keep going here. Dr. Artis discovered the alarming research studies on the failed and toxic drug called remdesivir. 
the drug that Anthony Fauci professed to have been proven safe and effective against the Ebola virus and against COVID-19, only to discover through his research that remdesivir was even more toxic, more dangerous than the toxic antibiotic vancomycin used to destroy the kidneys of his father-in-law. We had him on the show to talk about the drug remdesivir, about how this drug that completely failed at treating Ebola that causes kidney failure, renal failure, that costs a boatload of money and that has a direct link to Tony Fauci, how that drug became the drug of choice in the COVID hospital protocol. Well, you know, it's actually pretty simple. Just like Fauci did with HIV, he needed dead people. He needed a bunch of sick, dead people in order to claim, oh, there's an epidemic. Oh, there's a pandemic. And with HIV AIDS, that was AZT. That drug was deadly in killing people. This is what the whole Dallas Buyers Club was all about. And it was making them sick. And that's what justified tens of billions of dollars coming into his coffer that he now gets to dole out to his buddies who are going to take care of him down the road. That's the way government works. Okay. Now, COVID comes along or is brought in to the picture, I think is probably a better way to say it. And what happens? He does the exact same thing with remdesivir, right? It kills uh, 50% of the patients that are on it. If you get a third, third round of it, your chances of survival are 25% at that point. And all the things that he just said causes cancer, causes uh, renal failure, all of these things absolutely true and then the fact that they're putting them on an intubator and um, not flushing them while giving them an iv while they're on remdesivir makes it even worse okay so like that's what's happening but i don't think i want to go along with their conclusion as to why it's happening but he did um dr artemis really did find you know he was the one that kind of blew the whistle on remdesivir brought that information out into the foreground and I think uh, did a great job in that regard. Thank you everyone who's put any faith and trust in me to be able to convey truth. There is no part of me who brought this information to Stu and started any of this research to create fear and panic. In fact, this is going to, I pray, bring light to all of those practitioners around the world who have already been right. And I want to convey that right now. Dr. Pierre Corey, you were right. Dr. Paul Merrick, you were right. Dr. Ben Marble and Zev Zelenko, you were right. Simone Gold, you were correct. Sherry Timpany, you were right. Everything you're about to learn in this documentary and all the research that I've actually conducted, Dr. Ryan Cole will be able to finally conclude why it is the findings under the slides, under a microscope, have become so monumentally evil. Now, the problem with that statement is some of those people, like I know I read a retort from Dr. Uh, Pierre Corey saying that, no, this is wrong. It's ridiculous. We need to focus on the things that we know, like the, the stuff that we know is happening. It's accepted science. We've got the studies to back it up without having to go to snake venom, right? I don't, apparently someone's saying in chat, he's going to release more news tomorrow. I'll look forward to that, but I think he's gotten so far off the reservation here, and I think you'll see that as we kind of go through. I hope it's kind of 
acknowledging, hey, I got some things wrong and uh, I, I, I don't know, you know, we'll keep going. But you'll, you'll see why I say that and have that kind of hesitation. As you know, when I read Anthony Fauci's memo on. So this is the actual start of the documentary. He, Stu did his little introduction and then uh, brought Dr. Artemis in for a little pre-show interview. And this is the first kind of clip of it. Remdesivir, when I actually just hyperlinked, clicked the links to the studies that he was quoting, saying that remdesivir was safe and effective, I knew right away that he was lying. I knew right away that this drug was going to be used to mass murder a whole bunch of innocent people in America that did not need to die. Then he was to create the coronavirus pandemic. That's why he did that. That's why they used it. They kept, when somebody would die from remdesivir, they say, oh, uh, long COVID pneumonia or COVID pneumonia developed and, and they died. That's why. And it's like their protocol was killing these people and they were, you were lucky to survive it if you got subjected to it. And we've seen people that like in a car accident, wake up in the hospital days later on a ventilator. They can breathe fine, but oh man, there's good money inventing people and treating them with remdesivir. I'm going to sell the world on the idea in the media that they were dying of a virus when in fact I knew they were being poisoned to death with this drug. I knew 30% of all people were going to experience multiple organ failure, kidney failure, septic shock, and hypotension. Now he's suggesting though that there's not a virus, which I don't know that there is a virus, but there's something out there. You know, we call, call it a virus. Thinking like... A, yeah, let me just keep going. That's what the study said. <laughs> now we're a year and a half after that, and it's exactly the numbers that I said based on those studies. I'm pretty much called the remdesivir guy everywhere I go, which is odd for a retired chiropractor to be referenced as a pharmaceutical guy. <laughs> but it is true, remdesivir is a very toxic, deadly drug. There are and he's correct about that. Okay, so... The way this kind of progresses is I think he was doing an interview on a uh, somebody's show and someone texted him this, and this is what sent him down this rabbit hole. The text read, hey, Dr. Artis, if you got bit by a rattlesnake, would you go to a hospital and get antivenom? And I realized when I saw him that he must have saw an interview I did on InfoWars. <laughs> so Kate Daly done an interview with me and wanted to go over my thoughts of monoclonal antibodies. Well, I had been given some research studies that actually bothered me. I didn't like the idea based on the data in these research studies. I didn't think monoclonal antibodies were safe. Now, I had that sort of same view, and I, I got it from him because he was the one saying remdesivir wasn't safe. I'm not sure if I agree with that anymore. Um, I know, you know, Dr. Mary Bowden has been using those very successfully to treat long covid and of course, he says it has short-term benefits, but not long-term. I don't know what he thinks the long-term risks are to monoclonal antibodies. They might be there. I don't know if we really know, but uh, I think they have been very helpful for a lot of people suffering long COVID. I'm sitting there realizing that antivenom is monoclonal antibodies, and then I immediately revert back to, in my own head, uh, I'm not trusting anything the CDC, NIH, or FDA says, is our federal health agencies, are they recommending monoclonal antibodies for COVID-19? Now, this is in the middle of December. Nope. No, they're not. Right. 
They've been bad-mouthing monoclonal antibodies this whole time. Stripped them out of Florida when DeSantis wanted to use them. And then in January 21st of this year, they totally stripped out monoclonal antibodies. They do not want you touching monoclonal antibodies. They also didn't want you from the beginning to touch hydroxychloroquine. Yeah. They also don't want you touching ivermectin. They also don't want you touching NAC and acetylcysteine. So the, the things they tell you to avoid, we know they're telling you to avoid because they work. They're telling you to avoid, they're telling us to avoid them and trying to shut down their availability in the marketplace because in order to have an emergency use authorization, you can't have an effective treatment that exists, right? And that has been the elephant in the room for quite a long time now. And I think this is why, you know, they, they came out and bragging about how we had the vaccine ready as soon as we got the gene sequence from China we punch it into the computer and 12 hours later and seven days, we're printing up the first doses of the vaccine, right? Like that was the story, but yet somehow two years out, they just haven't been able to come up with an updated spike protein. Why is that? Why are they still pushing the original shot when it's mutated away from that very low efficacy they're sticking to the, well, it uh, creates very good protection because it boosts one of the, one of the antibody counts temporarily <laughs> and then disables your immune system. And we're going to look at some of that tonight. But like all of those were suppressed because they needed to sell the lie. And the lie started with, remdesivir being prescribed to these patients to, in order to kill them, in order to have the deaths for a pandemic and further roll out this fraud. Okay. And, and I think he wants to hitch that to it's snake venom and it just. Mm. That COVID could actually be snake venom. And how I got there was, they don't support the use of anti-venom called monoclonal antibodies right. because they work. The easiest way to figure that out is, has that ever been fact-checked? No, no, that's not. I mean, he is jumping to a conclusion here that's not supported by the evidence, right? There are a number of different reasons they didn't want monoclonal antibodies out there, part of which is they want to keep the thing going and not have have people sick so that they can continue exercising their power and getting, uh, you know, their spot at the teat of government, right? Cause it's big money running all these tests and doing all these things. And I wanted to know, was there okay. in February of 2020 are nonstop publications that the original source could either be from bats, snakes, or pangolins. And every time the snake is mentioned, Fact checkers, one, two, three, four, five, six, constantly fact check it and spin it to the bats. There's no fact checking about bats. They keep, you, they keep letting you look at bats. In the beginning, in January of 2020, the scientists inside of China said this can't be from these bats. These bats hibernate and it's the winter. Which is true. And I don't think that it came from the bats, but what he's failing to acknowledge here is that this thing was lab created. It's got HIV inserts. It's got the plugs that the HIV inserts plug into behind that. And uh, they needed 
Daszak, Peter Daszak, and uh, the others that Project Defuse and so forth, all those people that were involved in creating this, Ralph Barrick and the others, they needed a cover story, and the cover story was bats from the cave, not snakes, bats. And so that's why that one wasn't getting fact-checked, because the fact-checkers, they're the uh, you know, government censors. They are the pushers of the official narrative, and the official narrative was it came from bats. Not necessarily because they were trying to you know, shy away from snakes, but because they had to settle on a story, and that was the story. Okay? So there's another spot where I think he kind of goes off the rails a little bit. When they did genetic sequences from the antibodies in the people who were sick in Wuhan, they found that their genetic sequence was not most like bats. They were most like two snakes. Proteins from the Chinese crate. Now, I don't, I haven't seen this claim debunked, but I have, I haven't seen the evidence that he's referencing here, but I kind of, I think it's probably being misrepresented somehow, or he doesn't understand nuances of it or something. I don't know, but I, I highly suspect this is incorrect. And the King Cobra. So there's the theory that this is venom from the crate and Cobra snakes. May. This is, this is insane right here. May of 2020. Yeah. Works in a computational lab dealing with genetic sequencing. And he's been researching for five months, sequencing of spike proteins, trying to solve the mystery of SARS-CoV-2 victims. And he says he's got a big thing to, big press release. They're gonna actually announce all their findings. And Bing Lu is his name. Set back in the quest to understand coronavirus after a researcher is shot and killed. 37-year-old Bing Lu was on the verge of making significant findings on COVID-19. And that's when I freaked out. Now, the implication there is he knew about the cobras when in reality it could be he had undeniable proof about the HIV inserts, about the fur and cleavage site, about the 19 nucleotide sequence from the Moderna patent being included in the wild SARS-2 coronavirus DNA. So, like, how did it get there? And he was probably going to show, expose in yet a new way, the lab leak that occurred here. So again, I think he's just sort of looking at the evidence and interpreting it to fit his narrative rather than the bigger picture. Closer to getting an answer, as Team 12's Jess Winters explains, it seems to boil down to an enzyme that's also found in rattlesnake venom. Now this was interesting. This is a new story talking about venom and coronavirus and so forth. What does this rattlesnake have to do with COVID-19 deaths? We turned much of my research in my lab towards COVID a year and a half ago. Chilton says he got blood samples from more than 100 patients in a New York ICU. They either had no COVID, a mild, moderate, or severe case of the virus. He did some fancy schmancy artificial intelligence in his lab and discovered two distinct patterns in the people who were dying from COVID. These patterns, number one, told us that the, the, the vital organs were in trouble, but the other looked as if they were being attacked 
by some enzyme. He says he then found the highest concentration of this enzyme that has ever been found in humans. These levels attacking internal organs means multiple organ failure and death. So where do the rattlesnakes come into play? This enzyme is a humanized version, part of the same family as the active ingredient in snake venom. In simple terms. Okay, so he's not saying it's snake venom. It's a human enzyme that's very genetically similar to snake venom. This enzyme related to rattlesnake venom that's been found in humans is likely causing tremendous damage, leading to COVID-19 deaths. And then they take you through all of the elevated enzymes in the blood samples of these people that are naturally found in rattlesnake venom and viper venom that are in levels they've never seen before. Okay, in levels they've never seen before. Let's jump over... Um, yeah, we're, we're going to come back to this. We've got six more clips to go, but I want you not to look at that right there, but this one right here. Okay. This is Clucky the chicken, which by the way, if when he gets taken out on Twitter, we heard he's going to reincarnate as a pig. So probably he's going to be oinky next. Uh, he's writing in here and this is somebody that's, you know, career, uh, immunologist, virologist. I don't know exactly what his credentials are, but he knows his stuff. I've been following him on Twitter for a long time. You see the depth and the knowledge in his answers. <clears throat> he really understands his stuff. So he did a thread on this and it relates to the enzymes that were just talked about there in the news clip. The parallels between COVID and snake venom aren't what you think. There is an explanation, and it is scientific, but it does not have anything to do with there being snake venom in the protein sequence. I do not find any protein homology to SARS-2. Okay. Yes, there is an enzyme, a serine protease called elastase, that is associated with acute lung injury. Elastase breaks down into elastin in your body. There is a digestive elastase from the pancreas and neurophil elastase from the immune system. Same enzyme, different functions. Okay. And he's got articles here for those of you that are just listening, sort of referencing all of this stuff. I'm just giving you the highlights here because it gets a little in depth. Known since before SARS-1 that neutrophil elastase causes severe lung injury. It damages the tissue, literally destroys the tight junctions between cells. Imagine lung tissue that allows fluids or air to flow in between cells. How could you breathe? One of the problems that we saw in uh, you know, the people that were hospitalized. They couldn't get enough air and the, the ventilators didn't help because there was some other problem, right? Uh, there were conclusions that not only did elastase damage lung tissue, but also seemed as though the virus used it to gain access to other receptors. So this is, he's referencing a study there. And what he's showing is this process by which uh, the disease kind of gets to where it's going and starts disrupting things, okay? The common denominator to both is the role of serine protease in the pathology, development of the disease. Uh, but different reasons are involved, not protein homology, meaning not because it looks like snake venom 
you know, it's got the same, a small snippet of snake venom. And we're going to look at how much here in just a minute. Snake venom serine protease causes pathologies that were believed to, uh, that we believe that we also see in severe COVID, especially those who die and have an autopsy. The reason is not because there are snake venom proteins in the virus. It is a biological coincidence of what serine proteases do. Neutrophil uh, elastase, a serine protease, has the same similar effect on blood coagulation factors as does snake venom. SARS-2 does not contain snake venom proteins. Here's the paper regarding the autopsy results that show the neutrophil problem. Extensive neutrophil uh, infiltration in the lung tissue and the blood vessels. And you can see there's some slides there that they're showing. Serine proteases are the foundation of the similarity of severe COVID to snake venom. The proteins in this paper are not a match other than the very small fragment, which only has structural similarity. Okay, and then he goes through the actual genetic codes there. Uh, here the author hypothesis is another paper about this fragment. And he's saying here the author hypothesizes about the reason for the structural similarity. There is nothing about this which points to anything other than small peptide fragments which occur in nature with similar binding characteristics. Not that there is snake venom in the SARS-CoV-2 virus. Arizona researchers found secreted uh, SPLA2S, which have similar similarities to snake venom. They measured the uh, precursor that activates neutrophils to secrete elastes. Okay, so he's pointing out there that basically, you know, they found this process happening and this is why it looks like it's snake venom, but it's not snake venom. And so this is where you really have to go and find an expert. And before I weighed in, I wanted to hear what these guys had to say. And there's another one right here. This is Kevin uh, McKernan, sorry. And he's R&D lead of the Human Genome Project at MIT. Uh, really smart guy, part of the you know, virologist, immunologist, geneticist that uh, discussed this on Twitter. And he put together a great thread. It says, uh, venomics to snakes on a plane, snake oil or venom. This topic may be toxic, but it's largely a function of poor scientific communication and sticking to proper definitions. So here we go. I think everyone is up to speed on the fact that no venom has ever been detected in municipal water or remdesivir during the pandemic. Okay, so he, I guess, addressed that in another thread, but also not true. Uh, this is just reckless speculation. Camouflaging as legitimate concerns over the spike protein, having short peptide sequences related to Cobra. And there they are. And you can see it's just a little, you know, not, not a huge, we're not talking a 32 NT sequence or any, anything like that. This is better known as the SEB domain in spike because it shares more homology with SEB than Cobra toxin. We, can we call spike protein a fully functional venom as a result of this? No. Here's why. And he's got a link to an article. Give the Cobra Genome Project paper a read. That's what he's linked up there. You'll notice that venoms usually consist of 50 to 200 molecules that work in concert to kill you. 
full-length peptides, 60 to 90 AA that fold properly, not just the 7 to 10 AA stretch that looks like a small piece of it. So what we're find, what they've found as a commonality are these little bits, not the full thing, not the array of things that snake venom uses to, you know, uh, to, to kill you basically. While Venom has very emotive overtones in our society, and he's got a picture of the movie poster from the movie Venom, not all Venoms are poison. It is often the dose and the routine of administration that makes the difference. Bee Venom is being used for treatment of SARS-CoV-2, and if you've got people with um, joint pain that will let bees sting them in their knees for to get relief from that, that kind of pain. Snake Venom... Uh, photophosphase A2 being used to block SARS-CoV-2 from binding to ACE2, that's a venom. Okay. Components of venom are not a venom. Components of components of venom are not a venom. Protein folding via disulfide bridges is critical with venom peptides. When you simply take a short amino acid stretch from a protein, you fail to replicate these secondary structures. So Again, I know that's a little word salady there, but what he's saying, uh, an actual venom far more complex than the little bits of venom DNA that are found in the uh, this one section of the spike, okay? Route of administration matters. Your stomach rep wrecks most peptides, and this was something that Dr. Fenn uh, pointed out as well. If they're putting venom in the water and that's what's causing um, the outbreak, which that was first red flag goes off when they kind of brushed over that claim. It's like, Oh, wait a minute. Then we would have these limited areas of the outbreak. It wouldn't be as widespread. It wouldn't pass from person to person. Like we're observing happening. It's just, there, there were so many holes with the, they're putting it in the water and that's, what's making everybody sick. Not to mention the fact that, okay, Say some portion, I mean, they, they dump these huge amounts of this stuff in there and you end up drinking it. Well, guess what your stomach does with proteins? It breaks them down. That's what it would do with this venom. It has to be injected to get past your body's defenses to be dangerous in the first place. Route of administration matters. Your, str- your stomach wrecks most peptides. Snakes bypass this with injection, kind of like a spike vax. Many of the symptoms of venoms are broad, just like COVID, but this is because venoms are rarely one compound. D-dimer, and here he's talking about some of the, one of the clips we haven't gotten to. He claims that, well, Dr. Hoff found elevated D-dimers, therefore snake venom. No. D-dimer elevation not specific to COVID-19 infection. Clotting is not specific. Loss of taste and smell is not specific specific cytokine storms are not specific this is a uh, pleiotropic symptomology pleiotropic i think just because venoms and inflammatory viruses produce the same symptoms does not lead to one conclusion right and i completely agree that he's he's i think they both have kind of because they're both Christians and there's a demonic aspect to this and they tie in God and we're in this epic battle and so forth. I think those were the Rhodes colored glasses that they looked at this data through and made connections where they don't necessarily exist because 
they wanted it to fit their narrative rather than looking at what the actual information shows us, right? Spike protein has seven to 10 amino acids that rhyme, not identical, with amino, amino acids found in 60 to 90 amino acid long peptides found in venoms that have hundreds of components and genes involved in their synthesis. This is like saying theirs and the IRS are the same, pun intended, because they're not, right? Entirely different things. I believe the SEB domain has clinical significance mutated in Omicron. I also realize that this is hypothetical. Weaponizing the story into venom in the water and remdesivir is uh, hyperbolic grandstanding when you have no data to support it being in either. Agree with that. In conclusion, you will see the authors use terms like neurotoxic-like to signify that they are speaking to an incomplete uh, mimetic of the molecule that may or may not embody the full-length molecules of function. This language is used because there's a big difference between a short sequence and, you know, uh, the longer one, the full, the full venom with all the different components. And known function. Uh, we know COVID-19 has a super antigen SEB domain, not full-length SEB. Chang uh, and all have done a lot of work to characterize this domain as being responsible for cytokine storms and MISC. Venom and H2O and remdesivir is return served fear porn. Noble lies are not noble. So there you go. Okay, so that's kind of, I think, the biggest sort of uh, nail in the coffin for this. But let's, we'll, we'll go through a little bit more here. Could you ever have imagined that the one greatest symbol of evil in all of Christendom, <laughs> what is the symbol of evil in Christianity? The serpent. The serpent. Can you think of anything more evil than envenomating the entire world with snake venom? And see, this is where I think their their spiritual religious views are clouding their judgment of the data. And then I cannot say this enough. In the very beginning of COVID, it was being reported around the world that the least demographic represented in hospitals being hospitalized for COVID-19 were smokers. Around the world, it was less than 5% of everybody in hospitals were actually smokers. And they found that odd only because this was a respiratory virus. It didn't make any sense. Wouldn't it be that the sure. people who are shoving tobacco yeah. and nicotine in their lungs would be more apt to be traumatized by a novel respiratory virus? But that's not what they saw. So you guys know about this because we talked about it in the show when it was happening, right? And there was this curious thing where these smokers just were not catching COVID. What ha Well, what did Dimitri, Dimitri Katz do with that? He looked at it, looked at the study showing, okay, what happens to the nicotine? Turns out it gets broken down into uh, niacinamide, this stuff right here. And this is one of the many, there you can probably see it right there, one of the many supplements 
that he had in his early protocol for that very reason, because the nicotine gets broken down into niacinamide and that can be used to give you a protective effect from COVID-19. I don't think he uses this anymore, but you know, it was one of them. And uh, by the way, he's going to be back Wednesday. We're going to do a show. I think it's at five central time covering his new protocol. We're going to try and take on Ivermectin. I told him he has to be nice because he gets kind of mean on Twitter. (laughs) So, uh, and we'll live stream that. I'll get an announcement out here shortly about it. I'm definitely uh, looking forward to seeing what's in his new protocol and walking through it and like helping you guys really understand flush niacin and uh, RALA. This, you guys know what flush niacin is. This is the latest thing, uh, liponic acid. So, okay, so that's coming. Um, Let's go back and finish this up. What was amazing is when this started getting reported in the first six months of COVID in 2020, around the world, guess what our federal government did? Anthony Fauci, the NIH, CDC, and, and the FDA all came out and started pumping in the media that there's no better time than right now to quit smoking. Of course, and why did they do that? They want it to be as bad as possible. They want as many people sick, dying, hospitalized, testing positive for COVID. And so pushing, he's like, well, it's because they want to, I think it's greedy bureaucrats still at that level. To, you know, to a large degree anyway. Okay. Moderna co-founder using mRNA technology to treat venomous snake bites. Now, this was interesting to me. I think this is one of the most compelling points that came out of this documentary, at least for me after watching it, was that Moderna, as in, you know, we've gone through their company history bad news bears all the way around. I mean, this is just like the way, uh, what was it? The, the woman that ran the multi-billion dollar blood testing company that was a complete fraud or, you know, I've been, I've been watching some of these documentaries about these. We work, uh, is another one that's just come out. Same kind of thing. They just go nuts and, and it doesn't matter. Make it happen. I want this to work. It's, it's a pretty, Moderna is, I think, a pretty dark company with what they're doing. So when this came up, I was, it piqued my interest for sure. It goes on to say that he's going to help create and co-found a company called Ophirix. Look it up. It's phenomenal. Ophirix. Ophirix is a brand new company based in San Francisco that actually is going to solely work on creating anti-venom drugs for snake bites. Guess who funds this thing? The whole company. Uh, The Department of Defense. The Mm -hmm. Department of Defense, the Welcome Trust Fund, and the United Nations. Incredible. Okay. All right. So this is great. Let's let's wrap our heads around that for a second. How many snakebite victims are there? Great point. It's like 100,000 people. Uh, 100,000 people will die from snake bites, but this is enough for the CEO of Moderna to make that this is a huge issue. But not only that, but the importance for the Department of Defense and for the United Nations to get on board and to fund such a venture. Right. Absolutely. Perfect point there from Stu. And we know from Jinky's story that we read in, I think, two shows back, that they were actually funding the very things that developed 
in SARS-CoV-2. So what do I think was going on here? Um, I think that you have governments, intelligence communities, whatever, that are looking for every possible advantage that they can get in the biowarfare domain, right? So if they can do that from bats with coronaviruses, if they can do that with snakes, uh, venom and toxins and so forth, they're going to do that too. And if they can take all that and throw it together into one super virus, hell yeah, they're going to do that, right? Why wouldn't they? So that's what I would chalk it up to more than um, clearly this is proof that they put venom in the water, which falls on its face, you know, right out of the gate. So does the whole transmission model with this. So I haven't seen Brian's response to this yet, but I'm kind of looking forward to it. Somebody said he was on red pill last night. He's going to do a statement tomorrow. I'm going to keep watching and see kind of what he says and how he responds to some of these criticisms and so forth. But I, I think people are bringing up valid points. Everything that we went through, I think was are good valid points as to why this is likely not the case. Dr. Hoff out of Canada, uh, after evaluating his vaccinated patients, was able to determine those who had received the mRNA vaccines, they all had elevated D-dimers. And he checked that because they all complained of extreme fatigue, like long haulers, COVID symptoms. And he was enlightened to do this D-dimer test and then found every single one of them had elevated D-dimers. Now I want you to read on Medscape, I just printed this out <laughs> from medscape.com. What is it? that medical doctors are trained to look for when they see elevated D-dimers. So read the title, and I want you to read the fifth bullet point. How are elevated D-dimer levels interpreted? Okay, and here's the problem. The fifth bullet point is, yeah, snake venom. But look at what else is in there. Evolution of thrombus formation, or evaluation of thrombus formation, ruling out deep vein thrombosis, <laughs> blood clots, right? Monitoring uh, anticoagulative treatment, looking at clotting, the uh, disseminating disseminated intervascular coagulation, another blood clotting one, the very last one, snake venom poisoning. So uh, again, I think drilling into that while and and ignoring all the other ones is a little bit disingenuous here. Snake venom poisoning. And it's just, they're, they're looking for things to fit the narrative rather than looking at the actual evidence here. And I, that's a big part of the problem. And, and so the problem is these... <laughs> now, this is Dr. Hoff. Some of you will remember this video. We covered it, I don't know, a year and a half ago, at, I think at least, when uh, they were coming out and doing all of the, these testing on the vaccinated people to see what was going on. These little clots in the capillary networks are microscopic and they are scattered. So they're not going to show on any scan. They're just too small and too scattered. It's not like the big clots that cause strokes or heart attacks. Um, they're too small and they're too scattered. So how on earth can we know if the person clotted? And the only way is with a blood test called a D-dimer. So, so and a D-dimer is not a test for snake venom. Okay, it's a test that shows the byproducts of blood clotting happening and I think some other things as well, but it's not a definitive. Well, that's snake venom, obviously. No.
<sighs> okay. Venom poisoning. The kidney failure caused by remdesivir is the number one organ targeted by King Cobra Venom. It's the number one. There isn't anything in relationship to symptomatology of COVID-19, injuries post-COVID-19 vaccines, treatment with remdesivir that cannot be correlated back in research studies to venom from cobras, crates, and other vipers. And you know what? I think that's what Kevin addressed here. And I think that that really puts it to rest for me. There is no, and you know, there's another one here. Uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. did one. They're all like, no, 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 no. Here are the problems with this. So again, I'm looking to see what he comes back with. Maybe he's got something else he wants to share or put forth. But I think this thing is soundly debunked um, by a lot of people who know what they're talking about, as well as just, you know, thinking about it logically and looking through, thinking through the theory that's being put forth. Okay. So there you go. If you got something you want to ask about the snake venom theory or whatever, you're, you're welcome to, but uh, you know, you can jump in on spaces if you want. I might be a little hostile though, because I think that was pretty, pretty well defeated. Okay, Dr. Len Fenn uh, says mRNA vaccines promote sustained synthesis of SARS-CoV-2 spike protein. What's she talking about? Every time we've tested for it, it's still been there in the blood circulating in the body. Because of the reverse transcriptase, it's going to be recorded in the DNA. And when cells divide and reproduce, they're going to start producing the spike protein. Okay, so it's like it's never, ever something that goes away that you're going to cure. It's something that the people who are vaccinated will have to treat and try and hold off as best they can, hold the line against constantly for the rest of their life to try and minimize the damage. That's really what they're facing. The spike protein is neurotoxic and it impairs DNA repair mechanisms. So that's the whole P53, BRCA, line one process and the MHS, MSH3 depletion that gets used to build the spike protein. And normally that combines with MH, MSH6 to do DNA validation. Well, that process can't happen now because all the threes have been used up, right? And then the suppression of type I inferion uh, responses result in impaired innate immunity. That is one of the things that Gert was seeing, right? Is that you get this drop off in innate immunity and that's when you're prone to reinfection. What's happening with the vaccinated? They're catching COVID four and five times now. And here's the study that she's referencing, innate immune suppression. I just want to read you a couple bits from it. The many alterations in the vaccine uh, mRNA hide the mRNA from cellular defenses and promote a longer biological half-life and produce and, and high production of spike protein. Of course, you remember the 2P substitution on the end of the spike that has the effect of preventing misfolding, but at the same time increases spike production 10 to 50%, which is or 10 to 50X, which is kind of a bad thing if, the, if it's, you know, a toxic bioweapon with HIV inserts. Induces a profound impairment of type I inferion signaling, profound disturbances in regulatory control of protein synthesis and cancer surveillance. 
So checking of DNA and for mutations and stopping those. These disturbances potentially have a causal link to the neurodegenerative disease, myocarditis, immune uh, thrombocytopenia, Bell's palsy, liver disease, impaired adaptive immunity, impaired DNA damage response, and tumor genesis, tumor growth, starting of tumors. So again, you know, we've got the science showing what the spike is doing. It's not venom, folks. It's just not. I think that this is, you know, this was pretty encouraging to me. Let me see if I can blow this up. There we go. Uh, this is a story out of New Zealand from the Daily Telegraph, and it says, Silent No More, the story that must be told about the COVID vaccine in New Zealand. And the word is starting to get out here, folks. This is a, a big story. It says the majority of those 58,000, this is talking about New Zealand data, 58,000 plus adverse reactions have been recorded by doctors rather than the public, contrary to what the mainstream media have been saying. It's officially 1% one, one to 10% recorded. We've talked about that, how it's the underreporting factors could be 31, could be higher, but when they've studied it, it's only one in 100 to one in 10 that are getting reported. Massive increase in New Zealand of myocarditis. Hospitals are bursting. We covered a story in the last show about the NHS, people having to be resuscitated in the hallways and the waiting room. They can't, they, you know, they spend two, two days to get a, a bed inside a room. The rest of the time they spend in the hallway. Some of them are getting pulled out of their rooms to put somebody more sick in them. They're having people die out in front of everybody because they don't have space for them. Ambulances are waiting four hours to offload their patient because they don't have anywhere to put them. Ministry of Health sent a letter to all doctors in New Zealand titled Urgent Update on COVID-19 Vaccine-Associated Myocarditis and Pericarditis. Highlighting the issue, there's the data. You can see kind of, yeah, guess what? At least 400-plus deaths in New Zealand from the COVID vaccine. The number is extremely high. The damage from the COVID vaccine is like nothing that has ever been seen with any other vaccine in history. Not even close. That's not just the New Zealand. That's, this is a global situation, at least global where they took the vaccine. As a picture of vaccine injury catastrophe becomes clearer by the day, Pfizer and the New Zealand government may eventually try to say that they were just trying to do the right thing for safety of the country and that they couldn't have known this type of catastrophic vaccine fallout would happen. <laughs> but shockingly, that has now been proven not to be the case. Pfizer and the Ministry of Health absolutely did know. And I think that was it, yeah. I mean, And then it goes in, goes through all of the data. This is all stuff that we've been covering over the last few years. So I don't think it's going to be a surprise to any of you. But I think it shows that, like, it's, it's really becoming undeniable. And I think we've reached sort of a turning point with this story that it's going to start flooding out more and more in ways that they can't control. They can't deny it anymore. It's too obvious, even to the normies. You're, yeah, you're going to have that 30% still out there on Twitter telling people to go get the shot and all this other ridiculous nonsense. And they're just going to go down with the ship. But I think we're getting that 40% um, to sort of turn the corner and start to question, hey, what happened to me? 
here. Sorry, little pause. I was wanting to come in and speak. Little pause. You can jump right in. I, I was. Uh, thanks, Patty. How you doing? Doing great. What's on your mind? Uh, I'm not sure if I'm running a little bit behind with this cast, this podcast. But um, I heard you speaking about New Zealand before and the numbers coming out of there. Uh huh. Now, what I what I'm seeing because I'm I'm a Kiwi. I have a very thick, disruptive accent for that reason. Uh-huh. Um, because we have such a high Polynesian and Maori, it's mainly the, the older women who are who are passing away in the night with uh, cardiac issues. Oh, that's, that's where we're really seeing it. And yeah, and it really is that high Polynesian because we have Tongan, Nuwayan, Samoan, all this sort of background, as well as as the Maori. It is the older women who are struggling more. And and Facebook right now is just a flood with you know my friends saying. You know, I hate to say it, but, you know, mum passed away in the night. And it seems to be one or two a week that I see coming in now. Okay. Certainly no connection, no connection is being made to the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, it's just so hard to send your condolences, especially with a lot of these people who in advance, you know, I reached out to because I reached out to all my friends right at the beginning and just say, if you have any questions about this, please, I, I, I want to make sure you can make an educated decision. Right. And now to see those same people with their mums passing away, dude, it's hard. Yeah, and yeah, it is. You kind of do. You feel like, did I try hard enough? That's the other side of it. But as as we know, when these people are so uh, in tune to what the government is telling them to do for their own safety and the safety of their family, you can only push so hard. Yeah, you know, it's true. Uh, yeah, so, I, like I've shared. A, I, I just brought. You can't see this, but I've just brought up a tweet. Uh, that I did a few days ago. Uh, this is in response to a woman named Willow. And I'm saying, I'm very sorry. The medical establishment will do nothing to help you because they refuse to acknowledge the problem. This is the cause of your stroke. And I linked to a December, to her December 2021 tweet. So about four months ago, she's saying at Kroger Pharmacy to get my vaccine booster. Y'all, I just can't believe the pharmacist is wearing her mask like this. And and she's got her mask, you know, under her chin behind the glass and everything. And she's shocked, right? Well, here she is a couple of days ago, yep. admitted to the stroke center last night after all day in triage, still awaiting definitive results from CTs and MRIs to figure out the cause of the new stroke. Brain mobility and vision are fucked right now. We'll write more later when I'm able. And it's like, this woman's dying. She's probably going to die, yeah. and, and like she, she still hasn't connected the dots. And it's just, it's, it's no. like you say, it's heartbreaking. Yep. I did a Easter weekend with my wife's family, and I'm sitting there watching the rugby league. I don't watch a lot of rugby league, but it's huge in Australia, and yep. we're just starting our rugby league season, NFL season now. So I don't know who is or isn't supposed to be on the field, but my question was, who's out? Who did you expect to see part of this team? And and he's like, mate, there are so many guys out. You know, it's because of COVID. You know, heaps of guys are out. And this is an issue <laughs> with, you know, I, I try to stay away with, with my my wife's family because she has obviously given them all the information. It's not for me to, to push it any harder than they're all vaccinated, of course. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to, to push it any further. But yes, mate, the, half the team didn't start this year. They're all... They're all out because of long COVID, and it's just like, oh, bloody no! Stop with the long COVID already. Yeah, you're being your body's being poisoned 
by the spike protein that's going to be produced perpetually from the vaccine vaccine that you got. And with every dose, you not only increase the production of the spike protein in your body, but you injected it along with these uh, lipid nanoparticles that are absolutely toxic and have a whole nother set of uh, disease that they cause. And it's just like, how do you tell these people? I don't, yeah. I don't get it. Amazingly, the uh, NFL had a, you played it last week where the guys are up on front of the camera all mm-hmm. saying their personal experiences. One of the guy, you know, and, at least they were saying it and they weren't beating around the bush. They were saying, this is the boosters and we're going to look into it. You yes. know, they're, they're calling it the boosters, but they really should be calling it what it is. And it's right from the very beginning that they've been poisoned with this stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, if I can just change tack for one second. Sure. Um, my question is about Stu Peters and the other gentleman, I can't remember his name. Um, Our, Dr. Brian. Arnes. How much? You- okay. So when I first watched that, when it, like probably the day it came out, Alarm bells for me went off immediately. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, guys, too far. I'm, oh, no. <laughs> and I, because it was too far fetched. This is sort of the stuff that I didn't want to see anybody who's sitting on the fence to see this. Yeah. Because it just takes them right down that uh, after P crowd situation. Yes. Where it's too far. Yeah. How much damage do you think these guys have done to their reputations by? backing this theory so heavily you know like that's why i kind of pointed out the whole alex jones Stu peter sees himself as the next alex jones because you know alex got stuff wrong all the time and here he is being proven mostly right um about a lot of the things that he talked about uh but uh, you know i've got some history with alex jones and he's uh, he gets a lot of things wrong and is not good at acknowledging it either. Um, I I think when you get into some of these conspiracy theories and, you know, like there's a certain element of people that like this really appeals to, right? Like they want this to be this epic battle between good and evil playing out. And uh, anytime they see something that they can latch onto as supporting that, they're going to do it and they don't really care about what, you know, the naysayers as they see them, like the, you know, the scientists that I just showed you that went through the details of all of this stuff right here and, and uh, right here and so forth, explaining how it's not a, it's not snake venom. It just, that whole theory falls apart and that this is, this stuff doesn't matter any more than, our information about how deadly and um, dangerous these vaccines are to the people who are going to get their third booster and can't wait to get their kids vaccinated. They're, they're just, their mind's closed to it because they've bought into their paradigm and they, that being true is more important than I think anything else. And that's the kind of, when you do that kind of a show, I think that's the kind of audience that you attract. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Those who are already so far down that road, like let's just completely commit them um, because it is a, almost a, a fanatical state now where mm-hmm. they're basing it on going for is actually their, their religious flock to really perpetrate it. Because, I mean, it is, it is genocide. Anyone who's been watching your show for long enough knows exactly where we're at. Right. Um, and we're just, I mean, the similar stuff you've been sharing out of China. Um, 
Have you shared any of that on the show tonight? I haven't tonight, but I, you know, I saw another one where, oh, this was in my feed. Uh, they are like mobbing the food truck. Yeah, in one of the that. in one of the quarantine centers. I got to be careful with that one. <laughs> this right yeah. here. Hold on, let me. Uh, you can't see it, and there's no sound, but it, they've got these. Almost looks I've, like I've, apartment. I've seen the video you shared. Yeah, yeah. So I'm playing it for the audience that's watching. Got these apartment yeah. videos, and uh, the food trucks coming along with these red boxes, and people are just swarming the truck. They're coming from the previous ones, I guess, that they've already delivered to. They're, I guess they don't have enough and the other people aren't going to get theirs or what, but people are running away with one or two boxes, whatever they can carry. And it's just like, it looks like a bad, bad situation there. And, and that is really the biggest threat to the CCP. You know, there's this old story about George Bush sat down with Xi Jinping and what did they talk about? And he said, well, let me tell you, you know, Bush opened up, let me tell you, and this is senior, my biggest concern is this, this, and this. And he says, well, my, the, the Ch Chinese president's concern was that his people will basically rise up and revolt because there's just so many of them and so many of them are living in poverty and so forth that an uprising is the biggest threat that they face. That's why they're so authoritarian with a lot of what they do. But now that they're locking people down in their apartments and they don't have food, they don't have income, they can't pay rent and the rent's due and they're not like, I just, it's like they're pushing towards that scenario for millions and millions of people. And I, I think it's an extremely explosive and volatile situation what's happening over there. Yeah, I've seen video from inside those cubicles with that truck's driving past. Yeah. Uh, and the video from inside there looks just disgusting. Like, it yeah. is just carnage. There is no kind of maintenance what, whatsoever. And that's just going to. Sorry, you can go ahead. This is another one of the oh, okay. of the fighting. I'm just showing a video of the fighting. They're beating a guy with a broomstick. And they're starting to fight back. You can see he grabs the broomstick there and tries to pull it away. I think they're losing control. And uh, I think they're playing with fire. You can see a couple of guys back there are picking up this metal barrier and they were going to run at the guys and hit them with it so they're losing they, they've lost the people there i think the america too the, how many people are going to go back to wearing masks and jumping through all the COVID hoops i don't think that's going to happen so now what is is kind of where we're at it's like okay well, now what Gigi ping's critical flaw there was he didn't divide the people he put them all in the same category if he had divided them properly and put them against each other, he wouldn't have this problem. Oh, yeah, yeah. He could just let them, like he's done to us. Yeah, you know, the vaxxed versus um, the unvaxxed. Put the farmers, as you're right, he forgot to put the farmers against the villagers, and he got it all wrong. If he'd done that, then uh, he could sit back and let them destroy each other for a little bit longer, but he hasn't. He simply put them all in one box and cut them off, and uh, it's, it's, a, it's only a matter of time now before it all, it all goes. Yeah, that's a great oh, point. All right, mate. Um, hey, just while I've got you on, thanks for your advice regarding sound and audio gear and all the rest of the camera stuff. I've got some exciting stuff I'm up to, and I'll, I'll share it with you very soon, okay? Okay, good deal. You got a podcast in the works? Is that what's happening? Yeah, I got, some, yeah, I got something happening. Something that's a bit of fun. Something awesome. that's quite light and something I enjoy. So yeah, I'm deal. looking forward to it. All, all right, right mate. pause. I'll, Have I'll a great be happy night, mate. To, to mention it on the show. When you get that together, just let me know. And Thank you, sir. 
Okay, uh, so let's go back. There's one. I, I just I can't believe this right here. This man gets 90 COVID-19 shots to sell forged vaccine passes. So he wanted real lot numbers uh, to put on the cards that he was printing up for people and filling out for people. So he went in and got 90 COVID vaccine shots. I don't know how this guy's even still alive. I, it kind of makes me wonder, was he getting saline or, or something like that? I just, this is incomprehensible to me. So strange. Okay. Uh, one thing on the queue front, which I know gets a little crazy, but it's starting to actually have some meat to it here with what Durham's been doing. And this is the whole investigation into what happened back in 2016 with the election, the first election of Trump. And, uh, you know, once Trump got in and so forth, all of that, Durham's been meticulously combing through that timelining that out. And, um, well, I want to read you a few bits from it. Special counsel John Durham is revealing new smoking gun evidence, a text message that shows a Clinton campaign lawyer lied to the FBI. For the first time, he suggested Hillary Clinton's campaign, her researchers and others formed a, quote, joint venture or conspiracy, end quote, for the purpose of weaving the collusion story to harm Trump's election chances for uh, and then the start of his presidency. Right. So this is the whole he's colluded with Russia when, in fact, she was colluding with Russia. Uh, these parties acted as, quote, joint venturers and therefore should be considered as uh, co-conspirators, he wrote. All right. Uh, this is from the lawyer. This is a text message that he sent to someone at the FBI. He's saying, quote, Jim, it's Michael Sussman. I have something time sensitive and sensitive. I need to discuss, in quote, Sussman texted Baker, that's the FBI guy, on September 18th of 2016, according to the new court filing, quote, do you have availability for a short meeting tomorrow? I'm coming on my own, not on behalf of a client or company, dash, want to help the bureau, thanks. <laughs> so he's presenting this as, I came across something, I got to get it to you and just need to do you a favor. I want to help the FBI. When in reality, he was being paid by the Clinton Foundation to deliver this, to put this false uh, narrative into the hands of the FBI. And we already know that the CIA looked at it. And what did they determine? That this was fabricated data, that this thing is not real. And they went ahead with it anyway. Okay. Prosecutor said the text message will become essential evidence at trial to show Sussman lied to the FBI. So he's really, I think, methodically laying out bulletproof cases for the prosecutors to go and prosecute. And the net just keeps reaching out, going closer and closer to Clinton and uh, the Clinton crime family, right? And I think eventually it's going to ensnare even more and more. So I feel like there's progress being made here. It's happening. It's slow, but something is coming. I kind of get the feeling. All right. And of course, one last more. This is from Rebel News. Qantas blames rusty pass passengers for Easter travel chaos. So all the airlines are just delaying flights, having major problems. You have a CEO of Qantas coming on and saying, uh, we're also seeing that passengers are rusty and traveling as well. <laughs> People didn't like that, called for his resignation. 
course, you know, the baggage is late all the time. The flights are getting delayed all the time, not just with Qantas, but across all most of the airlines because their crews are starting to get sick. Their vaccinated crews are all catching COVID in the middle of summer when you don't catch it. And uh, things are grinding to a halt. So, and it's going to continue, folks. And it's going to become more and more obvious until the dam breaks and all hell breaks loose. Kind of my opinion on that. So, there you go. Uh, That's what I've got. If you've got a question, you can put it in chat. If you're on DLive, uh, you can jump in on Twitter spaces if you like. Again, I'll be back Wednesday, I think we set 5 p.m. Central as the time with Dimitri Katz. He came up with the niacin. Um, it was niacin melatonin <coughs> at the time. He's been evolving his research and evolving his protocol, and now it's ni- flush niacin with this RALA stuff that you can get. It's not cheap, but uh, some of the stuff that I'm I'm seeing him tweet about and talk about and he's got a telegram group as well where people share their stories and so forth is that this is really really helping people with a lot of the symptoms i haven't gone into detail about what i hope to get into to him with that on the on the phone when we have him but uh i think what he's doing could be um could be pretty powerful and a long-term tool to for all of you to keep in the arsenal so there you go. Okay, somebody's asking is Stu Peters disinformation? Um people have said that about Alex Jones for years and years. I would say that's either true or he's just not that bright and I could make the case for either one having interacted with him, but he's also, you know, very smart in in a way. Um I don't think so. Like I don't think somebody's paying him and i i think he's acting on his his principles on what he believes what he thinks but i think uh at the same time what's happening with Stu is he's being swayed by ego he's he's a little bit ego driven and wanting to beat alex jones and grow the audience and be this big shot and on and on is causing him to sort of is skewing his judgment in my opinion and so there's a lot of these interviews that things that break news, but yet when you look into them, they're really, really shoddy and, um, yeah, they just don't hold up. And I think this is another example, but I don't think I would call it uh, disinformation. So, all right, folks, unless y'all got something else, I'm going to get us out of here. I'll give you 10 seconds. You better type it in fast. Um, let me think it's a, it's an interesting documentary. Again, I'm going to look at what Dr. Artemis comes out and says tomorrow. We'll see. Uh, somebody's asking me if I've watched the nurse Aaron video on New York. I don't know that I have. I'll, if you want to get me a link or someone wants to tweet that to me, I'll take a look at it. But, uh, or unless it's old, then I've probably seen it. All right, I think that's it right there. The difference between All right, let's see what this venom. is. The difference between poison and venom is this. 
If venom is injected into the bloodstream, it can cause death. If venom is taken orally, it is yeah. completely harmless. Venom right. is actually saliva. It is modified through the gland of the snake. It is composed of enzymes and proteins. If taken orally, it is neutralized by the stomach acids and is completely harmless. If poison is injected into the bloodstream, it can cause death. If poison is taken orally, it can also cause death. And that is the difference between venom and poison. What I have here is a champagne glass for a small demonstration. Oh God. What I'm going to do is extract venom and drink it. Oh, please don't. <laughs> the yellow secretion you see coming through the fangs is actual venom. You better not die at the end of this venom area. Venom is composed of enzymes and proteins. These Oops. enzymes and proteins are go? naturally found in your own saliva. If taken orally, venom is completely harmless. I'm going to apply water to the venom to make it taste a little better and then swallow it. Yeah, so there goes your whole it's in the water theory. If a cobra because the, the stomach is just going to break it down. Like a, it's just proteins, guys. So there you go. Theory debunked. That was great. Thank you for sharing What's the that. the difference between poison and venom? Okay, that's it, folks. Uh, I will be back Wednesday. I'll get that graphic done and get the link set up and promote that out. So those of you that want to join live, if you've got questions for Dimitri, I, I don't know how much time we're going to spend, but I'll try and bring in some of you guys if you want to ask some things and so forth. I think it's going to be really good. I'm looking forward to, to having him on, getting updates as to what he's been doing and what he's been seeing with people following his protocol. So... That's it. Thank you very much, everybody. We'll catch you all next broadcast. Can't see what's happening by now, then you're blind. They said it was to save lives. Yeah, that was a lie. The writing's on the wall, man. Can't you see the signs? Now they come in for the children. They just crossed the line. They said just give it time. Only three weeks and it will all be fine. They want you tuned in to that TV every night so that they can implant fear deeply in your mind. Now in order to defeat them, yo, we need to unite. The Ministry of Truth has taken over. There's a reason that they chose Corona. Yeah, Corona means crown work it out man it's all symbolism from the beginning they told you a virus of the mind infecting your thoughts but enough is enough now we're saying no more we see the trojan horse at the door this is war we can't ignore the call big brother's gonna fall yeah we gotta light the torch for humanity because now